Hello, everyone. Welcome to TV Literate, the podcast that unapologetically enjoys trashy TV. I'm Jillian. And I'm Megan. And we're here, guys. We are back. Back at it again. Almost spooky season. I mean, I think it's... I'm fully in spooky season. Yes. Yes. But I understand like mainstream spooky season. We're like three days away. Right. It's definitely... October 1st is definitely like... There are no questions asked. It's fucking spooky season. But for me, spooky season definitely starts like September 1st, so... Chris lets me start decorating August 15th, so... That's really... That's really good. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Only inside, though. So... That's fair. That's fair. No outside, because that's weird in, like, mid-August. But, like, inside, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna put up these fucking ravens. (laughs) Yeah. We have, um... We have, like, a a, a jack-o'-lantern on our mantle, like, that we've had up for a couple weeks now, and... Yeah, it just it brings me joy to see it. So, you know, it really does. It just puts Ew. puts a smile on my face. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I mean, we take the joy that we can get these days, and if your joy is spooky season, then have at it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, Jillian, what have you been watching this week? Oh my god! So, nothing trashy. Um, I watched okay. Midnight Mass on Netflix. And that All blew right. my fucking mind. And it was so good. We watched six episodes in one night. And they are an hour and ten minutes long each. Jeez. Yeah, that's crazy. That's got to be good. I could, I cannot do that for just anything. Right? Yeah, no. It's so good. And perfect for spooky season. And also perfect for our podcast. Because it deals with a lot of the, like, perversion of faith. And the cult-like of things of Christianity and Catholicism. And hell yes. very weird okay. stuff. That's going straight on the top of my list for sure. I've I've heard about it, but I haven't really heard a lot about like if it's actually good or not. So it's very good. Don't look at anything else about what it's about because it's okay. it's it's very nice to be just as lost as everybody in there. I love then... I love going in blind. I love it so. Me too, man. It's so good. Like I love going into movies blind. I'm just like yes. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to yeah. watch a trailer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What have you been watching? Because <laughs> that's um, about all I've been watching. Yeah, I haven't watched a ton of TV, but I have watched some good stuff. Again, not particularly trashy. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. Well, I finished watching uh, Nine Perfect Strangers, the last episode, uh-huh. which was crazy. And yeah, it was. I really enjoyed that series, though, as a whole. I think it, <clears throat> it was just a really crazy, but fun, and also short and easy to digest little series so yeah. highly recommend and Man, that was good other than that Sorry. no it's okay <laughs> the other thing which is it, the most exciting thing to me is the fucking 41st season of survivor premiered this <gasps> week oh and shit and yeah it's back it's been off you know f- since the last um the last season season 40 finished airing in like may of 2020 and then they haven't been able to film and yeah. so it's back and it's was so good it was just like the first episode like the first few episodes are always a little i mean there's so many people it's hard to get to know everyone but once you like mm-hmm. really get into it, it really starts getting good but i was just like so happy to be back and to have jeff probes back and yeah i don't know survivor's my favorite show ever so it was just like nice it felt that's fair it felt a little like a little bit of normal normal yeah. life you know and it, it's yeah. nice because they actually talk a lot about COVID on the show too and like how it's impacted people's lives and people's like w- 
gameplay and things like that but also like they talk about how like they've clearly followed very strict covid like quarantined weeks before in hotels so it does and they're like all together on a abandoned island so it doesn't feel yeah. like that <laughs> cringy you know because all these people are yeah. quarantined you can just stuff. kind of enjoy it because you're like they're a bubble now exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> so Where yeah it's that's not nice. just the constant like oh god did they all get covid after this <laughs> right exactly um, yeah. So that's exciting. So if you are interested, it's a brand new, like all new cast, not you, Jillian, just as a general you to all of our listeners. <laughs> you I'm just trying y. to get, <laughs> I'm just trying to get as many people to watch Survivor as I can because it's amazing. Yeah. And I feel like I haven't seen a lot of like ads for the new season or anything. Yeah. I've seen like the only t- reason I've seen it is because like I know people who are also into Survivor. But yeah, I, like outside yeah. of like the Survivor, like Reddit and my friends. Yeah. we I haven't seen a lot about it either. But this yeah. is a new season and like a completely new cast. And so you could like jump right in. You don't have to watch any of the previous 40 seasons to get into it. So highly recommend if you're looking for something new. Wednesdays at eight on CBS. Not Hell sponsored. Yeah. Not sponsored. But if you want to sponsor us, Survivor. Oh yeah. We'll do we'll it. Take it. We'll interview I, anyone. <laughs> I am I am obsessed with Survivor. Survivor has gotten me through many a rough time in my life. So yes. I get that. Um Yeah. I don't know. It's nice that shows are coming back and that people are still kind of like cognizant of the COVID risk and usually you're like, all right, well, we're doing two weeks beforehand where we're all in a hotel and then we're filming and you're just like, okay, so I can actually enjoy this. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, And you could tell like Jeff Probst has like a little bit of COVID hair. His hair is like longer than it's ever been. It's like amazing. He's been through it too. He was, I saw an interview with him before the season started where he was like yeah we all of us producers have just been at home for a full year thinking of new crazy things we could do on survivors so and i'm like oh god they they did get weird it's gonna get weird i just know it so get ready i remember one of the like earlier survivors it might have been i think it was survivor but it might have been amazing race and they had to drink um cow blood with Mm -hmm. the Maasai. i don't remember what that was yeah, hell yeah. Okay, that is like still top ten craziest things yep. I've seen on TV. Even mm-hmm. though it's like, you know, the Maasai do that all the time, but it's just drinking warm blood fresh from a cow Ooh. is hardcore, hard fucking core. Yeah, they they used to they haven't done. I feel like I could be wrong, but they haven't done like a eat weird things challenge in a long time. They used to do that all the time in the beginning, mm-hmm. and that those were always like really disgusting, but. They don't do them anymore, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's uh, because they didn't want to be affiliated with he who shall not be named on Fear Factor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not not, not wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying his name on our podcast. We're not giving him any listeners. No. No, Screw thank that you. Man. All right. <laughs> Let's get into it. I'm excited. I am too. I'm excited to talk about this because holy shit. Yeah. It was crazy. It started out crazy and then just got more crazy it got, the more yeah, detail it, they gave. It did not it did not stop at all. Um and so today, let's let's introduce what we're talking about, I guess. We will be talking about <laughs> the um docu mini docu series on Amazon Prime, Lula Rich, which is yeah. an expose of sorts on Lula Row and kind of MLMs in general. Yeah. 
It was very interesting watching this because I've always been like super anti MLM and Same. like my mom kind of did like a uh, pampered chef when I was a kid, but she didn't mm-hmm. have much success su- success with it. And so I was always like, you know, I think that's probably pretty much everybody's story. You lose right. money on it. And uh, when I was watching this, I was watching it with Chris and he's like, you know, this I'd never really thought about MLMs being like so predatory because he's like everyone here in Appalachia is part of at least like one or two MLMs. Like yeah, Mary Kay, bad. Avon, Amway everywhere and it's like what if (laughs) it's like if you have to be part of four of them to make any amount of a living it's probably not a great opportunity probably not no No. um yeah I've always like I've yeah I'm the same way as you like I've always really felt negatively toward MLMs and I've never I've never really known anyone like personally who's been involved in an MLM so I don't know Mm -hmm. a lot of like personal stories but I've just it's they're just gross they're fucking gross yeah yeah and like they all kind of make sense on the surface but the second you give any thought to it it's like oh shit yeah no this is made for the rich people to get richer and the poor people to give them all their money yeah and that's the worst part too is that like so many people don't find that out until they're already like super deep into it and it's fucked up okay let's get started with our feelings (laughs) (laughs) so the first episode is called startup (sighs) so we kind of in this episode start off by being introduced to the founders of LuLaRoe and their Mm -hmm. office which is in their home office is in Corona California did you notice that I got a little I like started sweating when I heard that (laughs) um (laughs) yeah well you know and they're Mormons (laughs) and I'm sure that they may have been patient zero of Corona in Corona uh, would not be surprised. Mm-mm. But um, so the two people who started LuLaRoe are uh, Mark and Deanne. What are their last names? I don't even re- have their last names in here. Stidham, I think. Because her okay. maiden name was Startup. Yeah. Okay. Hilarious. I think I just saw both of those names and I was like, that's the same name, but it's not. So, so Mark and Deanne Stidham, who they are married they got mm-hmm. married, um, like a blended family, and they ha- ended up having like how many kids? Eleven kids or something? Fourteen. Like that? Fourteen. 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 Mm. Um, I was a little off. Deanne was married and Mormon first, so she had seven kids, and Mark was married and Mormon, and so he had four kids, mm-hmm. and so then there were four plus seven, and then they had they adopted more together which we then get right. that they adopted Anna who fell in love with Michael who was one of his right. kids and so a stepdaughter married her stepbrother but they never lived together and we just really glossed over that we did they just threw it out there like they want they want to make sure they put it out there so it's not like called out so it's yeah. like oh we talked about it but we didn't talk about it at all because <laughs> we're yeah, just moving like, right along we'll tell you we'll tell you that story sometime and i'm like yeah you will <laughs> Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah, they're Mormons. Yep. So And so are a lot of MLMs. I mean, un- yeah. unsponsored, but if you guys listen to the Dream podcast, there's the whole first season is on MLMs and how it targets, weirdly, Mormon women, stay-at-home women, mm-hmm. um, women who are like in very like strict uh, religious households. It's very weird. Right. It, it is so weird. Um, but yeah, Deanne talks a little bit about her growing up. She So she was kid 10 of 11 and a twin. So yeah, mm-hmm. like fucked up. Too many kids. Sorry. 
and um, her maiden name was Startup, which is uh-huh. kind of funny. And her name is Deanne, and her twin's name is Diane. Yeah, that's you. That's you should not do that to your twins, your children. No. Don't do that. No, if you just name them two completely different things, if you don't want to figure out cute twin names. Not like not only is it like just bad for them, but I just it doesn't help you. Like that could that can only be confusing to you, especially when you already have nine other kids. Mm-hmm. And the they were accidental when their mom was forty four, so they were young set of twins when everybody else had already grown up with an older mom and dad. I don't know. Uh, it seems like a hard time and yeah. kind of like oh, I don't know. It was it it doesn't feel great. <laughs> no, it does not. Um, and Mark talks about his childhood. He grew up uh, middle class, but it seems like it was more than middle class because he said, I never considered having a job or working yeah. for anyone. It's like, what the fuck? If you grew up middle class, I feel like that's like that's kind of all you think about. Like your yeah. parents are career oriented for you. They're like, you're going to go to college and you're going to be a manager. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah. And then there's that fucking story of his dad who says when he was 16, they were going through a rough patch financially. And somebody said, oh, they're hiring at the mines, one of the neighbors. And his dad said, there's only one thing worse than being flat broke. And that's knowing I'm going to make $412 a week for the rest of my life. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Lots of people no. would be really glad to have $400 a week for the rest of their life. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's way better. Like, being flat broke is not like... That's just, like, the most idiotic and, like, also privileged thing to say, too. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm sure that, like, a not like a flat broke person who would not say no to 400 and whatever dollars yeah. a month. Like, what the well, fuck? Well, like, I feel like the dad and the family just in general were kind of, like, bougie. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're broke. We only have, you know, $50,000 coming in this year or something instead of being, That's... like, actually poor. Like, yeah, that's not like no, like that's just like normal like struggles of life. Everyone, but Capitalism. that's not being broke exactly. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Um, but this, I guess, his childhood kind of inspired him to be an entrepreneur because there are no limits when you are an entrepreneur. So no limits. Okay. No limits either way, because you can also end up shit fucking debt. Exactly. <laughs> But not if you're scamming people. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's, that's how you do it. That's how you do it in this country for sure. Um, okay. So we get into how kind of Deanne gets into MLMs and things like that. So mm-hmm. basically she starts an MLM with this guy <laughs> who <laughs> was selling dresses, I guess, at a much cheaper price than like retail or whatever. Yeah, and, at a swap meet or whatever. Right. And um Deanne noticed that none of nobody was really buying these dresses, but they were such a good deal, so she like bought a bunch of dresses and then sold them for a higher price to the, her friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. And thus, had a dress party at her house. A dress party. Exactly. Um and so she started doing about 15 parties a week across several states and made $40,000 profit. Yeah. And so Which was a lot for the eighties. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sure. So she said she did this for twenty seven years and then she started making her own maxi skirts. <laughs> this whole thing is just like the most insane. I don't know why 
it's like, oh, yes, this woman went to a swap meet and bought all of these dresses, these $80 dresses for $10. And then she decided she was going to make maxi skirts. Yeah, it's just, it is kind of like a weird leap from one thing to the next, but yeah. all right, we'll go I don't with know. it. It's, you know, she was raising seven kids as a single mom. I get it. <laughs> right, right. Um, So as she is making her own maxi dresses, she starts um selling them out of her garage as well. And demand started ramping up. Everyone loved these skirts. They were incredible. I don't know. Um, but I think a lot of a lot of I really don't I like truly do not understand the appeal of LuLaRoe I'm not trying to be I don't like, whatever either. but I don't I love leggings but like I don't love $40 leggings yeah exactly I wear leggings all the time but it's like whatever I also like I have I have to have pockets in my leggings because I have an yeah. insulin pump and so I yeah anyway um I so I think a lot of this which this kind of was brought up a lot over the whole series that a lot of the reason why people like them so much is because like the patterns were really unique because they Mm -hmm. would only make like a select number of pieces per pattern and so if you liked that pattern you had to grab it then or else you would never see it again yeah so that exclusivity man that's how you get people to buy this thing yeah yeah um so in 2012 she Deanne met a girl in Utah, of course, who was buying for her friends um, and like 10 friends. And so she's like, you know what? You should be a distributor of my stuff, which, again, this is this is all above board. Like if you yeah, are a wholesale, a wholesaler who is making your own product and you're like, hey, you there's another market I can go into. I will sell this to you and then sure. you will sell it. Sure. <laughs> that's that's reasonable. And then it gets fucking nuts. So yes. she starts recruiting everyone eventually and i don't know (laughs) right yeah i guess well it's interesting too because i think this is where it kind of it it really shows how mark's influence i feel like is really so like sinister because i think she Mm -hmm. just started out just really wanting like her friend to sell it and then she called she like talked to mark and mark was like you know how we can make this really beneficial to your friend is we can make her sell you know we can make her get other people to sell and Mm -hmm. it's just it seemed like oh god mark's Mark's yeah just yeah i mean like this lady went from just selling kids clothes and women's skirts and stuff for 27 years and then was like you know what i got this new husband and I'm going to scam a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, God, ew. Yeah. Um, we do figure out where the name Lula Roe came from. Thank which, God. Uh, I just I was can't wondering. even. I know. You were, were you? <laughs> I was really wondering just because I, I, I had to think there had to be some stupid reason it was named that. Which, I mean, it's not that, I guess the reasoning's not that bad because they have granddaughters named Lucy, Lola, and Monroe. And so they just like combined their name, which is like, whatever. Which, Lucy, Lola, and Monroe. Like, it could have been named, like, Lou, it could have been named Lululemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really could have. That, I mean, I definitely remember when LuLaRoe first came out, I, like, kind of thought LuLaRoe and Lululemon were, like, the same thing, because I don't know uh-huh. anything. Um, yeah, they're all really expensive leggings that I'm going to wear through in right. three months that anyway, definitely, so. Yeah, there was definitely, like... That was intentional to make it sound very similar, I think. Definitely. I think so. Yeah. Well, especially because Lululemon's like a big cult, too. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. To work in there, you have to be a specific size and you have mm-hmm. to go to like all these orientation things. And then there was that fucking murder that happened in a Lululemon store. Oh, that was just fucked nuts. up. Yeah. That was <laughs> fucked up. And then I just, yeah, I feel like, oh, and this doesn't go for everyone who wears Lululemon all the time or Lululemon at all, but I feel like so many people who are into Lululemon like only wear Lululemon stuff. And mm-hmm. it's, and it's really fucking expensive. So, yeah. For leggings that when you bend over, you can see your underwears or your butt crack. Yeah. Right. No. No thanks. Mm-mm. I'm going to stick to my $12 Old Navy ones that when they wear out, I don't feel bad throwing them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so next up, we kind of talk a little bit about MLMs in general and kind of the history of MLMs. And mm-hmm. um, Neutralite, I guess, was the first MLM, and that led to Amway, which really converted basically the salespeople into the customers yeah whatever yeah 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 um amway is just it's okay so i never even heard about amway in denver when i lived there or anything but here everyone's on amway all the Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. yeah i don't like it i'm like please no (laughs) yeah it's not great we get into the part of where mlms are fully unsustainable because once you get 13 levels of people you have more than the population of the planet (laughs) right which is not um yeah not great so not helpful yeah and if it's just in the u.s then you burn out and like i don't know three or four levels right right um we also touch on how mlms have really exploded lately because of social media which is touched on a lot because i I definitely remember i feel like lularoe is one of the first big mlms that i saw like boom on facebook mm-hmm. uh, like you know it, yeah. it was it was one of those like premier premier mlms that i remember seeing everywhere yeah oh yeah and it was such like a thing like you'd always get on facebook and there'd be somebody who had invited you to a lularoe live group or whatever yeah. and you're like Ugh. yeah <laughs> leave me alone i don't want your leggings i have Please. one pair of lularoe leggings that i got as a I well okay that I got because somebody's dog tore my leggings and they're nice. like here just have these uh, nice <laughs> yeah put on yeah and they are buttery soft but that's all I got to say for them <laughs> that's it that's it um okay so we start meeting our people <laughs> yes um so we're in Tacoma Washington and we meet Ashley Lautaha. Um, and she's a former distributor. She was the third retailer to join the, the team mm-hmm. after the Utah girl and Deanne herself. Yeah. Um, so they were stationed in Washington. They had, she had come from Hawaii. Um, and so she saw the stuff, really liked the clothes and got in touch with Deanne. And Deanne flew on out and helped her how to sell the stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah she swooped fucking in like she took the opportunity and was like this is what you're gonna do Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah she was really talking about how in the beginning of her being involved in LuLaRoe how their main goal was to show how successful they were in order to recruit other people which I thought was interesting their goal was like to throw a really good party where everyone's having a lot of fun and everyone's buying a lot of stuff. And then like those people would be more likely to sell LuLaRoe themselves, mm-hmm. which again, it's like very predatory feeling. Oh yeah. Like, Oh yeah. You can have just as nice of a time with this and earn money while you do it, except you have to wheedle all of your friends to join. 
and like to get there <laughs> and spend a shit ton of money yeah <laughs> up front god and so um deanne kind of said a throwaway line on this one of like um how the parties are supposed to be and she's like always have music it needs to be upbeat and fun with no refreshments because these women are always on a diet oh god oh god it's yeah so much cringe so much cringe. it's so bad and it's just this whole the whole company itself is fat phobic as shit that's all i gotta say <laughs> for real for fucking real so in 2014 is when they started selling the magic leggings, which mm-hmm. everyone was obsessed with. I feel like this was really the everyone talked about Road leggings in particular. Yes. Um, and I, I loved they were talking about one of the like retailers was talking about how she was marketing their leggings. And she was like, yes, these wild leggings will look great with this chambray shirt. And I was like, damn, that is like such a 2014 sentence. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean the 2014, I don't think I realized how much of what I saw in the world was LuLaRoe, like 2014 yep. to 2017 ish. But yeah, it all was. definitely. Yeah. It was it's all crazy. <laughs> This woman had a very funny moment where she's like, uh, the I can't remember which one this is. I think it's Lauren on this one. Yeah, I had a full, full disclosure. I had a really hard time keeping the names of the ladies mm-hmm. straight. They feel like they didn't have them up on the screen enough. They for showed me to them be once to... per episode. That's horrible. Yeah. So I am going to be a lot of like, somebody said this because I don't yeah. know which one it is. Um. But I think this was Lauren, and she was like, um, she had a party, and all of her friends, she was like, you know, friends, you can sign up and do this, and you can make money, too. And they're like, what's a catch? And she's like, well, I don't think there's a catch. And it's like, Mm. that's the draw of the MLM, is because at the very beginning, there isn't technically a catch, because you can still make money, the market isn't saturated, it's like you actually can offer a product to people, and then it turns on its head. It gets bad. It gets bad. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, so one of the big things that was constantly kind of hammered in, especially during when it comes to like recruiting other people is kind of this idea of this community, the sense of community within LuLaRoe mm-hmm. retailers and stuff like that. And I think they talked a lot about how a big difference between LuLaRoe and other MLMs was like the wide variety of products. Like we talked about with the different uh, patterns mm-hmm. and stuff like that and so it was a lot less about like competition between two sellers yeah. and more like oh I can see if somebody I know has this pattern you know stuff like yeah. that so that was kind of like a draw to these people again um, a lot of these people who are retailers are stay-at-home moms you know mm-hmm. uh, people probably who are looking for a community and mm-hmm. again this is perfect for them yep yeah um Throughout this whole series, they showed some LuLaRoe ads, which, wow, those yeah. ads were unfucking hinged For There real. was one in this section where it's like, we are mothers, and we are changing the world through social fashion. And yeah. it's like, what? You're doing what? None of that matters. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, it, they were they were a lot, for sure. They really thought that they were doing something with their crazy leggings. Oh, Yeah. Um, so we get kind of into the nitty gritties now where the startup cost to become a retailer mm-hmm. was between 5000 and $10,000 to buy in. And Shoot. so one of the girls that we met was Courtney Harwood. 
Um, Mm -hmm. I will never remember her name again. I just wrote it down here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she went to the credit union after work one day or on her lunch break and got a loan, even though she had already had maxed out credit cards, wasn't making enough money to support her family. She just did it and signed up and then told her husband about it later. And he was like, you have to pay to sign up. That sounds like a scam. (laughs) Yeah, it sure does. Doesn't it? Sure is. Kind of wish you uh, had uh, taught your women folk in Mormonism about business more, not yeah. just child rearing. Yeah. <sighs> also, just like don't take out a loan without consulting. Mm-hmm. Like if you are married, like it's just like it affects your spouse too. You need to consult them. Yeah, I mean it's kind of the same vibe that I get when people are when they have those commercials at Christmas where like the husband pulls the woman out of the house and is like, "Here's your new seventy thousand dollar car," and I'm like, "Yeah, should have been a discussion." <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's a that's a big a big thing. Unless you like just won the lottery and have a whole lot of money to spend, and you could just yeah. buy it out front. Like, mm-mm. yeah, if you're rich, rich, <laughs> then yeah. fine. But sure. if you're just like regular people, don't do that. Don't do that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I okay. I hate. I hate Mark in general, but I hate oh, yeah. how he talks about women. He talks about them like they're a resource, like that they're like a thing. Uh-huh. He says that they're one of. He says there's an underutilized resource of stay-at-home moms, and it's like they're not for you to use. It's not. Yeah, women who stay at home with their children do have a job called caring for the children in the household. That is a job. That is a very important job. Like raising yeah. the next generation of people is work. It's a job and it's somebody's got to do it. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So now we get introduced to Sam Schultz, who is Deanne's nephew. Mm-hmm. And he was hired as the events director. And so the first event that they did, like the conference, he got Mario Lopez and everyone freaked out. And apparently the Monday after this, 11,000 people had signed up to be part of a LuLaRoe retailer, whatever. Yeah, like, that's that's so fucking crazy. But, like, the whole reasoning behind getting Mario Lopez just to, like, literally pose with pictures with people uh-huh. was that so everyone was posting this and then, like, everyone was seeing it because it's Mario Lopez. And then it's, I mean, it's kind of really smart, but... Yeah, um, it's so smart. This dude would actually do really well as an events director for like a real company or like yeah, for sure. whatever he wants to do. But uh yeah. It was very funny and very depressing, both personally and societally, that this man was just like, Sometimes I played new music, but then you play in sync and the crowd goes wild. I think I'm that like, the worst part is that like I fall so deeply into that trap too, because I mm-hmm. love in sync so much mm-hmm. and I'm not ashamed of it but i am ashamed of it so yeah i'm ashamed of it insofar as i'm easily manipulated with nsync and backstreet boys into thinking <laughs> i'm definitely I'm a good time <laughs> definitely easily manipulated with 90s boys bands for sure yeah that's well yeah. god and so this is close to the end of this episode which uh, that did you notice at the end of the episode they played nsync yes i loved credits. it I didn't so even good. go to the next episode. I just let the whole thing play. Me too. I watched all the credits and I never do that. I was like, fuck yeah. In sync though. I need this. Ugh, they got us. They really got us. I was so disappointed in myself. Still I, I am. Um, okay. So the last little chunk of this episode was basically them being like, fuck, we just got a whole lot of people signed up for this and we don't know how to do business. <laughs> We, yeah, it's called catastrophic growth was the term they used for it, which is like kind of hilarious. 
Um, but yeah, it's just like way too much all at once and they have no fucking idea what they're doing. Um, I think it was Sam who said, it was like flying a plane while you're still building the plane, except you don't know how to build a plane and you're not a pilot. <laughs> great. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, that this sounds, sounds this, great. <laughs> it's going to be great. Wing it. So then that leads straight into episode two, which is called Show Up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a whole lot of, you can make a full-time income for part-time work, mm-hmm. which was their big thing. Um. And all of them being like, oh, don't go into debt. But let's see. Oh, oh, okay. This is where we meet Lachey, mm-hmm. who was a good character on this one. She was good, yes. <laughs> she, yeah, she was like basically headhunted to start LuLaRoe. And she started uh, um, like on the onboarding team, basically helping people get started selling LuLaRoe. And she said it was really good at the beginning. And um, <laughs> she tells a story about how on her first day and she showed up at the office in Chanel, like looking really uh-huh. nice and presentable. And Deanne stopped her and was like, why aren't you wearing LuLaRoe? <laughs> <laughs> and made her go to the warehouse and pick out clothes to wear. Like, ugh. uh, Okay. <laughs> right. All right. Um, we also meet Ileana, who is one of the head designers, mm-hmm. and she's like, I got promoted to head designer, even though I wasn't wearing LuLaRoe, because, like, they yeah. said, they, like, mentioned that specifically, like, we see you haven't worn LuLaRoe in a couple days. <laughs> it's like, why does it fucking matter? You guys work in the office, like, no yeah, one- nobody's seeing you. It's not like you're, like, interacting like a retailer. I understand wanting yeah. a retailer to wear your, you know, people interacting with customers, but literally you're just in an office answering phones you're you just working corporate yeah you don't need LuLaRoe <laughs> but I mean fair if you get it if if they get it for free it would be nice to sit in comfy leggings to answer the phone that's true that's true it could be worse yeah it could be so we also meet Daryl who um talks about his job interview at LuLaRoe which I loved hearing this um they mm-hmm. apparently had to do like a color wheel exercise and like figure out what color they would be and he said it was the weirdest interview he's ever been to I can imagine. I fucking I fucking hate interviews that have those personality quiz things in them. Yeah, like it's just ask me the question. Like you should be. Let's just be straight. You can just ask me what what I'm like, yeah. and I'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> just like give me a checkbox that says I won't steal anything, and if I steal anything, I'm fired, and you I'll check that box me. and sign yeah. it. Yeah, like that's mostly what they're looking for: is how easily manipulatable are you, and will you steal from us? Right. Um, he also Daryl also talks about all the like little dumb perks that they had, like um sandwich bars and a burrito man Friday and catered Chipotle. And this Chipoo-poo. reminds me of that of that mean that what do they call it again? Chipoo Chipoo Um, I hated that and I want that burned from my memory again. I love um, it. <laughs> That, but anyway, all these perks and stuff remind me of that meme where it's like somebody like with their he- hands out of the water and like the boss being like pizza party, and, <laughs> and they drown. Yeah, they yeah. drown, and that's such a mood. That's what it's like. Yeah, it's one of those things like how Google and Amazon and stuff are like, look at all these cool amenities we have at work because then you'll never leave work. Right, right. <laughs> we won't pay you a livable wage, and we'll treat you like shit. But you get sandwiches <laughs> every day for lunch. Yup. God. 
Um, so they were saying that the vibe in corporate was that they were all chilling and Mark and De- Mark and Deanne never really were there, but whoever sat in the corner office with the window had to watch out for their fleet of BMWs or whatever rolling up and mm-hmm. warn everybody else in there. <laughs> which uh yeah, which is really funny, like mood. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I also thought it was funny, which I just think that the editing on this was incredible and made Mark oh, yeah. and Deanne look so fucking dumb. Like they they had a clip of them being like, oh, yeah, we were at the office every day. We saw <laughs> we went through every we saw through everything. We were a part of everything. And then it went back to the to the employees being like, yeah, they I saw them like twice while I was there. <laughs> Yeah, God, it was so perfect. Like, especially when we get into the later episodes of this, where they're like going against their deposition and what they actually do. Yes. Know. Oh God, it's God. so good. It's so good. Um, we also learned that they have been using Google Docs, not just multiple Google Docs, but one Google Doc that everyone works on at the same time. Yeah, that sounds really efficient. Really great. Like, no specialized yeah. software at all. No, but hey, if you just do it on Google Docs, they can't audit you. I mean, I guess that's true. God, no. <laughs> this this whole episode or this whole docu-series reminded me so much of the fucking Fire Festival docu-series, uh-huh. like, or documentaries. Like, it's yeah. same energy for sure. Yeah, just people with a lot of money and a lot of confidence and no morals or ethics. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. So Lachey started talking about uh, how the onboarding team would do like the group, the purchase of the initial package and people would freak out whenever they called because it would take like 90 days for you to get called from when you signed up on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to onboard 500 people a day. That's so yeah, many that's, people. That is so many people that is. And just like 500 new people every day. That's just like that growth is so like, that's so daunting and it's like so dumb like they were just really greedy on this because if they had made it more exclusive like oh we only take 10 new people a day holy shit you would have been able to do the scam for longer and also you would have had like a much more sustainable company definitely yeah no they are just greedy as fuck and that's that was their downfall automatic ultimate ultimately that was their downfall (laughs) i cannot automatically Um, but I just thought it was funny that like people are just so fucking excited to essentially have to pay five thousand dollars to start with this company. It's like, ooh, mm-hmm. these poor these poor people. I know. Like you think it's five grand that's gonna make you into a millionaire, but most of the time investments nah. like that are not. They just not get great. you a house full of stinky ass leggings. Oh Lord, <laughs> yes, which we will get into. <laughs> We get into kind of how LuLaRoe was kind of the perfect storm of everything. Uh, Again, the rise of social media at this time, it was like the perfect way to recruit people and to sell. They talk a lot about how Facebook Live and just like live, um, you know, streams are is a lot of the reason how or a lot of the way how people sold their inventory. But also a lot of American families were struggling with and needed extra income and there were a lot of like educated women at home, you know, um, mm-hmm. with their kids, whatever, having some time and wanting to work. And again, also the rise of athleisure with like Lula, Lululemon and all that stuff being so big. It just like yeah. all kind of combined to make Lululemon like the perfect trash yeah. heap. 
the perfect trash heap um i don't know it was this whole thing was so wild and then they it was nice when they got lachey in because they did start talking about more like the racial aspects of mlms and everything and Mm -hmm. stay-at-home momming because like being a stay-at-home mom is not really a a thing that can be done when you are a person who is a minority especially if you're a single mom or if you know you're a black couple with kids your husband doesn't make as much as a white man Mm -hmm. and you as a black woman definitely don't make as much as a white man also (laughs) probably a lot a lot less um generational wealth there too which yep it's it all you know combines and it's exactly the the quote that i have from a journalist who was commenting um said the feminine uh, or the feminine vision of a stay-at-home mom is a very white vision and that is Mm -hmm. the truth Yep, and they were saying that LuLaRoe was catering to white womanhood and white girl mm-hmm. business, which... Basically, yep. 100%. Because almost everyone involved was, like, a white woman. And I think they had um, a couple of uh, pe- women of color uh, talking about how, yeah, like, they were, like, the only woman of yeah. color retailer that yeah. they knew. Yeah, they're like, I stand out. <laughs> Shall we go to Tiffany and Paul? Let's get into Tiffany and Paul. <laughs> Poor Tiffany and Paul, but not really, because again, Mormons. Yeah. So they're a married couple who joined LuLaRoe in May of 2016, and they were, like, always in the top ten for sales, a lot of times in the top three. They were doing, like, really, really well, and um, they were actually on fucking extreme couponing back in the day, Uh which I loved that show when it was on TLC. I watch it all the time. I don't know what it is about that show, but it's very satisfying. So, yeah, I love that they were watching it or I love that they were on the show and I really want to watch that episode now. Yes. And also it's like so with the extreme couponing, Tiffany was in the early waves of the mommy bloggers. So she was a couponing mommy blogger. She was, you know, mom advice whatever so then immediately easy access to a whole new demographic to sell lularoe leggings to yeah it's definitely like a direct path straight to it and it was crazy so she apparently was teaching classes the day that all her inventory arrived and she asked her husband to do a live unboxing of the stuff while she was teaching and he was just doing it and they were like but we want to buy this we want to buy this and so people were like looking up how much everything was and he sold everything that they got in the first yeah, like night before she even got home it's which is fucking yeah. crazy so he made like 50 grand yeah the first month they made $49,000 in sales and the next month they made $127,000 what the holy fuck shit. holy shit that's one month <laughs> Yeah, I know. All these people were making like, oh, you know, I was pulling in like $20,000 a day. And I'm like, I would just save all that and then quit after like three weeks. Just just give me like two days and yeah, I just need like a year's worth of money to live off of and I'll be happy. Yeah, I'll, I'll do LuLaRoe two days a year. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> oh, yeah. So we get more into the whole LuLaRoe pattern thing. Um, so each print um, only had 3,000 garments made with it. And we talk a little bit to Ileana, who was the designer that you mentioned earlier. And <laughs> I loved that she was like, yeah, they were ugly and tacky as hell, but we just like had to keep making them. So <laughs> people kept yep. buying them. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if it's in this part or if it was in the next part with Ileana, but she was talking about how they had to make 100 different designs a day. Yeah, which, wow, that's... 
Holy Crazy. shit. No wonder they were stealing art and shit. Because how do yeah. you have a hundred? I don't even have a hundred thoughts a day at this point. I, same. Same. <laughs> no thoughts. Much less a hundred creative ideas. Right. Um, but the retailers never knew what prints they were going to get at all, which kind of mm-hmm. sucked because sometimes they could get really shitty ones and then can sell them. Um, but yeah, yep. that's just kind of the nature of it all, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people were trying to find their quote unquote unicorn, unicorn. patterns, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't think these people know the alternate meaning of unicorn hunting and unicorns, but it's really funny that they don't. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. For They're, those of you who don't know, unicorn hunting is where you are trying to find a bisexual person to be your third in an equal relationship between a straight man and a straight woman. <laughs> it's interesting too because in the diabetes community, the uh-huh. unicorn is well, it can mean one of two things. The unicorn is either when your blood sugar is exactly 100, which is very yeah. rare. Um and then or when your um, CG, your continuous glucose monitor reading is the same as your meat, like test strip finger stick meter, because they're oh, yeah. very rarely exactly the same. So, huh. just a little fun fact. <laughs> we use unicorns for so much. <laughs> unicorns are it's it's overdone. <laughs> we need to find like a different rare animal, like a this is my dodo, exactly this is my kiwi Ooh. bird. I like that. I like that. We're going to start using that. <laughs> oh, the only thing that really I wanted to mention about this part anymore was that Lachey went from onboarding and customer service to being a distributor because she was seeing all these checks that people were being mailed out. And she's like, what yeah. the fuck? I'm not getting paid like this. <laughs> I mean, I can't really blame her. If you see like people making that much money and you're just like sitting at a desk making mm-hmm. however much an hour. Yeah, I don't blame her. Yeah. Um, so we get kind of into the jargon of LuLaRoe, mm-hmm. which is all just really stupid. And I yes. understand why they did it like this, because they've done this. Their whole reason for making it a quote unquote, like uh, for making it an MLM is quote unquote, Deanne just couldn't teach everybody. So she needed to have other trainers right, to train right. people. Okay. Yeah. So when you just start your retailer, you just get commission um, and by selling um, then you could be a sponsor, which is when you have a retailer underneath you. And for both of those, you have to buy a certain amount each month to stay active. Right. Yeah. And at this point, the um, when you are a sponsor, you get a commission based on how much the person under you bought, like how much inventory they bought, not how much they sell, but how much they buy, mm-hmm. which is yeah. important. Yeah. So basically everybody who signs up for that five grand or 10 grand you get a chunk of that. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you become a trainer when you have two people underneath you, which mm-hmm. is five, per, which is a 5% commission on sales plus a trainer bonus. On you get top. a watch and you get a watch. You get a watch. You get the fucking watch. You need you the, the trainer watch. watch. And it's a LuLaRoe gold watch that says, be the kind of leader that you would follow on the back. I want to see if I can buy one on eBay. God, we should get them. Should we just, can we do like a, Halloween costume, a podcast Halloween costume where we're both Lula bitches or something. Oh, that would be so good. It would be so good. Um, um, Oh, and then, so then the next level is coach, which has Mm -hmm. at least three trainers under them. And then after you're a coach, you're a mentor, which is the highest level. And that has three coaches underneath them. Yeah. 
it just and gets crazy. You can see how that pyramid is. If you're the mentor, you have three coaches underneath you who have three people underneath underneath each of them who have three people underneath each of them, and right. there you go. Yep, there you go. <sighs> but yeah, it got it got into some of the retailer or some of the Lularoe people talking mm-hmm. about their teams. So Ashley said her team is about five thousand people, which is fucking crazy. <sighs> And yeah. she doesn't know, like, any of these people. Like, no. she said, like, it starts out where you're, like, recruiting people that you kind of know. But then it's, like, just whoever wants to be recruited is recruited under you. And it's, like, that's ugh, stressful. Yeah. And then all the people above you will give you leads sometimes, too, if, like, they're trying to get you from coach to trainer or whatever. So they'll get more money off of you. Right. Um, exactly. So, yeah. Then you can just get completely random people from whoever knows where and like i can't believe having five thousand people underneath you you actually help know or talk to most of them yeah for sure definitely Mm -hmm. that's just not possible so yeah it really starts to become where most of these people's money seems to be coming completely from bonuses related to recruiting and not actually the sale of the actual goods Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was Ashley who said that when she was doing it at the biggest time, she would purchase $78,000 worth of product and would sell $83,000 worth of product. So that's only like $5,000 in profit, right. but she made like $65,000 a month in bonuses. Right. Yeah. That's like crazy. That fucking blows my mind. I know. I know. It's insane. I can't imagine having $60,000 in my bank account at one time, honestly. No, no. Like, Holy shit. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> I just, there's no other way to describe it. Yeah. It, like, it's a, it's a unreal amount of money that you could make in a year. Mm-hmm. We also talk about how there was a big push of people selling LuLaRoe to always be like bragging about their lifestyle and the things that LuLaRoe allows them to do like buying new things cars and shit and then like staying home at kids staying home at uh-huh. with their kids and they always had to like tag all their Instagram photos with like oh thank hashtag God. because of LuLaRoe yeah it's like oh my fucking god and like Deanne would get pissed at them if they posted something positive and didn't have that hashtag which is hilarious because, of course, they spliced it in with her deposition tape where she was like, I've never heard of what what's a hashtag. I don't know yeah. what a hashtag is. Yeah. And their fucking deposition and even in their just their interview um, for the docuseries, they always come off as like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. It's all just like it all just kind of happened. And it's like, bitch, you're not fooling anyone. Mm-mm. No, there's no way that this can just like randomly happen. This is effort. That you have expended. This is this take planning to be this fucking scheming. And okay, so I think Courtney was talking about this part too, um, because they were talking about making social media posts. And apparently, when you're a mentor, there were specific posts and stuff that you had to do like every day. Like you had to make a big breakfast with your kids one day a week and post about it. Like all because of Lularoe. Like show the mess in the kitchen. And it's like holy shit. Like they're just like social engineering everyone to think that that is successful it's so fucked up how deep it goes and how yeah it's just it's so fucked up so fucked up so then we get into a little bit about the leadership events which also seem crazy 
God, and these have been happening a lot lately with COVID, not LuLaRoe specifically, but there was just a Sensi one and a Paparazzi one, and they both turned into super spreader events because obviously. Of course. So. <laughs> right. Good. They're still Good. happening. Um, but a big kind of reason for these events were to make retailers feel excited and important and connected to the message and kind of get the benefits of the community of LuLaRoe as well. Plus a lot of really fun looking pictures that will make all of their people want to become leadership. Definitely. I mean, sounds incredible. <laughs> um, they got real crazy where they started letting in just random people who weren't signed up for LuLaRoe or anything if they were on the waiting list because then they would get the golden ticket to be onboarded that day. And people would yeah. show up to all of the different leadership events all over the country and pay for it, pay for flights, pay for hotel, everything, and just go into massive debt trying to get onboarded. Right. And then once they are onboarded, they have to pay to be onboarded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just fucking nuts. That's wild. And so then, of course, because they cannot just leave it at conferences, they had to go and make the Lula Cruise. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's like the big incentive, um, and you get to go if you sell $12,000 a month in clothes and, I guess, also recruitment. I guess there's – I don't even know. But yeah. um, I loved Lachey talking about it, that she turned down an invitation to the cruise uh, because she didn't want to be stuck on a boat with a bunch of white people, which yeah. – mood. I get it. I <laughs> get like, it. I, there wouldn't be that many of me there, so – That was a correct decision because uh, Yes. I can't imagine being stuck on a boat with that many Mormons. No, I'm <laughs> uh, that my my fight or flight was instantly activated when you said that. <laughs> Your face just <laughs> dropped. You're like, oh god, <laughs> must leave. <laughs> <sighs> um. So the events always looked like fun, but apparently anybody who was actually like working didn't have any fun because mm -hmm. it's just a big old work trip and right. they had to teach and give speeches and work the whole time they were there and then you were like you have to look like you're having fun mm -hmm. all the other times well and then they were like also like you said very expensive and you were away from home away from your kids which like those are against what lula rose is supposed to be for like keeping you home and making you money and here they are like forcing you to go to these things that make you spend money and be away from your family Yep. Um, and so we get back to Sam a little bit because he was told that for the 2017 thing, he had an unlimited budget. So he booked Katy Perry. Hell yeah. What else are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, that was a very good move. Because, <laughs> you know, women love Katy Perry. Women yeah. Women. I mean, yeah, definitely. I saw a bag floating over Kroger the other day, one of those plastic bags, and I just started oh, singing God. Katy Perry. Oh, God. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? I know. I always think that whenever I – and it's it's not good. Yep. Um, Deanne was not pleased that Katy Perry was there because she's like, isn't that the girl who thing about kissing girls? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's just be homophobic and top of everything else. Even <laughs> yep. Um. Anyway <laughs> – so we get a little bit, which this is kind of a large part of the rest of this, is where Mark and Deanne and everyone, so like Big Up and LuLaRoe, continually like denying that this is a pyramid scheme, even though it clearly is a pyramid scheme, like mm -hmm. it is. Um, 
because they claim that it's not one because they're exchanging goods for money. But like, like we said, clearly the majority of the money by these people are being made by recruitment and not by selling the leggings and shit. Yeah, like I don't go into any of the shops down here that sell leggings and buy leggings and they come up to me and say, hey, do you want to sell these leggings too? Like, right. no, that's not weird. That's weird. That's not a regular business. It's no. not how business is supposed to work. Not at all. Um, Yeah, so this is when they start growing really big in 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. They've gone from $70 million, like being worth $70 million to being worth over $1.3 billion. They're having 25% growth month over month. It gets very numbery in here. But basically, they make a whole lot of money, and nobody who's working there is capable or trained to do any of this because most of the people who work in corporate are their children. Right. It's all their, like, family and not people who are actually, like, business people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, accounting, events, management, etc. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. Right. Exactly. So things are great. Things are going to be going great. <laughs> so great. All right. Do you want to just move on to the next episode? Is there anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. Episode okay. three. Yeah. <laughs> episode three is called Blow Up. Yep. This is where it gets good. This is where it gets good. Um. So we meet this girl, Becca Peterson, and she sells washi tape on Etsy and is really yeah. into researching LuLaRoe, which I get that. I do she too. She needs to be my friend. <laughs> I was going to say, I could totally get along with this girl. Like, I get so deep into stuff too that I'm not even involved yeah. with. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I want everybody else's drama. <laughs> exactly. I don't want anything to do with it, but I want to watch it happen. Yep. Um, I don't even know what to say about this because I just wrote like a whole lot of things that they were saying where they're like, it's about blessing lives and giving back to your husband and female empowerment. And I love how fucking the crew asked Deanne, like, how do you feel like LuLaRoe does empower women? And fucking Mark was like, hang on, let me talk first. Yeah. Let me talk this, this, and this question about women. Let me talk over this woman because I know about mm-hmm. women and empowering women, but this woman doesn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's and- so gross. God, then it got into the really gross aspect of LuLaRoe where you're supposed to quote unquote retire your husband. Oh, so God. basically once you retire your husband, he's supposed to take over the like financial stuff of your LuLaRoe company that you're running. And they have all these horrific training things on how to make your husband happy, like appreciate, accept and admire your husband. Don't talk man to man. Don't mother him. Never make him look bad. Ugh. Gross. But yeah, not only did it was just very like sexist and very much like it's all about the man, like even in Paul and Tiffany's situation, the couple mm-hmm. we were just talking about, Tiffany says that Deanna or Deanne never like spoke to her, didn't care about her. It was always about Paul and what Paul yeah. was doing. And yeah, Paul's wife, Tiffany. <laughs> right. It's yeah, exactly. It's like so not only are they, you know, just being sexist assholes but also they're just like completely making this whole family unit dependent on LuLaRoe now it's Mm -hmm. not just one person one of the incomes it's the whole family is dependent on LuLaRoe yeah it's real real fucked Mm -hmm. I don't know and there were lots of parts where if the husband wasn't supportive they would say here read this book or you know just find the new husband Mm -hmm. yes 
which yikes yeah um i loved this quote i have from deanne which is women can be strong but there's a time for him to be your hero Ugh. Ugh. Uh, of course their whole thing is that women just didn't know how to be since they went from leave it to beaver to then in the workplace they just didn't know how to act to get a husband or to have a correct life and so we figure out that Deanne's mom has wrote written a book about how to oh, use fuck. your femininity, femininity for women's rights. And it's apparently Deanne just straight up said, how to use your special parts to get your husband to do what you want to do. Yep. Aww. Yeah, because she said a, a quote that one of the cons- or one of that Deanne told one of the consultants was, all you have to do as a woman to get on your knee is to get on your knees for five minutes a day and then he'll do Ugh. whatever you want. Ugh. I fucking hate her. I hate them. I hate all yes. of them so much. Yeah, it's it's bad. It was very, this part was very hard to get through. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have a suggested, suggested reading of the proper care and feeding of husbands. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's icky. Just, it's all bad. It's all real bad. Yeah, it was not fun not good at all they were talking about how they had motivational calls which i know we've all heard of these like weird calls too that that lots of these mlms have but they're saying that they didn't ever teach them like technical help or Mm -hmm. anything they just taught them like how to recruit how to look successful how to like amp up your rags to riches story like right yeah it's like all the training was very much like this is what you Luluroo Luluroo. <laughs> this Lululu. is what Luluroo can do for you and this is what you can do for Luluroo and it's all like motivational but not actually like helpful. Yeah, they're like we're going to teach you how to sell except we're not. We're just going to talk random shit. Right. Yeah, there was always a push for consultants to always like have their makeup done and always um look like successful businesswomen and y- you were like always it was just like you always had to be on when you were mm-hmm. a LuLaRoe consultant, which no thanks. No thanks. And um, this is also kind of the part where we get to Deanne mm. getting gastric sleeve surgery. And so she's lost 72 pounds and then she starts taking women down to Tijuana to have them surgeried. I loved that the place where she got her surgery was called obesity. Not for me. What the fuck? And then they had a fucking group text called the Tijuana LuLaRoe Skinnies. I, this part, I want, I hated this part so fucking much. It made me so mad. Um, Yeah, she was literally just like hooking all her consultants up with surgery in Tijuana. And Mm -hmm. not only just like hooking them up, but like pressuring them to do it. Driving them down there. Yes. Yeah. And like, like continually texting them and bombarding them with, when are you going to Tijuana? And it's yeah. like, what the fuck? And the reason they were going to Tijuana is because at this point, gastric sleeve surgery was not permitted in the US. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, maybe you should take a minute and think about why, like, figure out why that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. And I yeah. still don't think it should be permitted, honestly, because the complications weigh outweigh the benefits but right right and if the benefit is just i'm skinny now Mm, uh, no thanks not worth it it's boring (laughs) 
Um, um, oh, so then we get into the turn where Mark and Deanne are encouraging consultants to hire nannies to do the things that, quote, won't make them money, a.k.a. caring for their children, which, mm-hmm. again, was like the whole push to getting started in DeLuLaRoe was, oh, you can stay at home with your kids and still have a business. Full-time money for part-time work. Jesus. Um, and... So, let's see. I think this was Courtney who was being pressured into the Tijuana skinnies. And then mm-hmm. she went for the balloon, the gastric balloon surgery. And there was, like, huge complications. And she had to get it taken out. And then, of course, we get into the hire a nanny section. Yeah. And then Courtney started looking at how much her downline was spending every month versus how much they were making. And yeah. she was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is ethically not great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not it's not going great for them. It's starting to get a little little rocky. Mm-hmm. And we're at a whole lot of people now selling LuLaRoe. So now the only way to be competitive is to have more inventory. And right. then we hear the famous MLM phrase, it works if you work it. Right. Um, no. No. So then we get into some of the pr- product quality issues. <laughs> So Roberta, which is one of the consultants that was on interviewed a lot through these episodes, talks about how in 2016 she got a box of inventory and just one pair of the leggings were like absolutely fucking soaked with water. (laughs) And then she gets another box a couple of weeks later and it smells fucking awful because all of the leggings or not all of them, I don't know, some of the leggings have fucking molded because they had produced so much so quickly they didn't have space for them, so they were just out in a parking lot and getting yeah. wet and gross and being outside. Yeah, and apparently when you went into the like customer service portal, one of the reasons for making a return was stinky leggings. So like they knew. They, they knew. And they told her to put them in the freezer. Mm-hmm. like that yeah um, i don't think i have room in my freezer for 18 boxes of blue clothes <laughs> yeah i don't have that big of a freezer dude i don't know one pair of jeans sure yeah but um so um, they figured out that a lot of the patterns like the um distributors who had been distributing since like 2015 were like these are old patterns these are clothes that are two years or more old right <laughs> right so it's just like all a fucking mess at this point. Mm-hmm. And um there's like no quality assurance at all. The patterns weren't checked like and so there was like a lot of issues with like really awkward placement on patterns especially in the crotch area. And yep. yeah. The the leaning tower of penis, yeah. the vagina hamburger, the bee Classics. going into your coochie. It was it was not a lot. great. Not not doing great. I mean, I do kind of want to get a leaning tower of penis pair, like from Goodwill or something. I would wear those and just be like, yeah. look. <laughs> those are good. Those are good. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then get... whenever... Sorry. Oh, go, 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 go. I was going to say, whenever, like, one of the consultants or whatever complained about how things were going, they were just told, quote, it's not part of our culture to talk negative on LuLaRoe. Uh-huh. And uh, this is what I was going into is that Mark starts getting really gaslighty where he's like, we have equal opportunity. We didn't promise equal outcome. And Mm. yeah. So apparently they were just made to feel like they're being crazy. Like this isn't real or, oh, it must have been something you did. And so. Right. 
Well, and then and then the, the Mark has I have a quote from Mark, which he says, we didn't have a huge problem with wet leggings. We had a huge problem with social media. And he was just like blaming it all. And it's like, I mean, but they was, those posts wouldn't have been on social media if there wasn't a problem, though. Like there was yeah. still a problem. Yeah, I don't know. And um, so then they start they show us this fucking clip from one of the fucking leadership event conferences thing where it's escaping the victim mindset. You guys have all heard of the drama triangle. And it's like, oh, my God, you guys are literally trying to control these women's lives entirely. For real. It's terrifying, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, if other people are experiencing your problem, they're using now that everyone's having these problems as the thing that if you're talking about it, you're just being a whiny bitch. Yeah. And it's like, um... see, everyone's having this problem and you're the only one whining. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we should address the everyone's having this problem part. Right? Yeah. Um, Mark says my favorite quote, I think, of probably this whole show, where he says, all these people saying, my inventory is stale. No, you're stale. You're stale. (laughs) Good one, Mark. So smart. What a zinger. You're a real, real uh, Mensa genius. For real. So then we start getting into, like, people not feeling it. So... Sam, who was Deanne's nephew and the event coordinator, um, quit, and then he got a cease and desist for his, so he couldn't talk to his aunt anymore. But then there were like rumors that he was fired because he was sleeping with everyone. It was like a mess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Paul and Tiffany apparently got mm-hmm. suspended because she was too loud about the concerns, and Lularoe not so nicely asked for their business back. <laughs> Right. It's just, yeah, it's not not going great. And then we get the real moment where the waterfall begins. The LuLaRoe Defectives group is made on Facebook. (laughs) It was, yeah, quickly a place where people could get together and talk shit about LuLaRoe and everything about it. Because, yeah, Mm -hmm. there needed to be something. And so not only did they have people on there complaining about the quality of the leggings, but they also had you know consultants retailers on there kind of complaining about their experience in general with LuLaRoe so it's just like mm-hmm. a community to talk shit on LuLaRoe yeah and I'm so it's for. I'm sure like everyone who sees other LuLaRoe consultants are like these people all look successful and like they're only meant to show like the good stuff hashtag because right. of LuLaRoe and so finally when you get this group where it can be like thousands of people being like I'm not making shit like I don't know how people are making money on this right and then I think that like <laughs> Once you're confident that you're not the only one experiencing that, it's kind of like easier for you to admit that, like, okay, this is fucked up. It's I'm not just like messing up. Yeah, this is all fucked up. The gaslighting no longer works when you're a large group of people having the exact same issue. Like exactly, it just doesn't hold up. And so, of course, then episode three ends up with Stella, who is one of the consultants who got screwed. Um, she just ends up looking at the camera and says. I posted on Facebook. Does anyone know a class action attorney? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. yeah, Stella. Stella's getting her groove back. <laughs> she sure fucking is. <laughs> so then the last episode is called Toe Up. Yeah. And it starts off with them talking about how in 2017 they changed up how they did the bonus checks. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, they were originally formulated to where you would get a bonus check if somebody 
um, was under you and you would get that based on their inventory that they bought. And now it's based on um, how much they sold rather than how much they bought, which is kind of a way for them to try to step away from not being a pyramid scheme, even though you're still a pyramid scheme. Yeah, um, it was very wild seeing the taped train the trainers video of Mm -hmm. like, Lindsay, what do you say to people when they say we're a pyramid scheme? And it's like you can that like quick response like, oh, we're not a pyramid scheme. We have a product and we're not just recruiting people. And it was bullshit. And of course, then what's his face? I think his name was Patrick. He said he was one of the kids. He said, well, we need to get away from being a pyramid scheme. And apparently they used that in the state case. Yeah. He said it was a pyramid scheme. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. Yeah. But this really changed a lot of things in terms of like how much people were getting. Like their bonus checks were basically being cut in half or more. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, things are things are changing pretty quickly. Yep. Um, so they changed the bonus checks first, and then because part of the pyramid scheme legality is that you have to be able to return products, mm-hmm. um, they worked on a 100% buyback policy that they said, it's never going to go away. There's no expiration. It doesn't matter when you bought the product. You can always return it. Yeah, and they had that in writing, too. That wasn't mm-hmm. just like something that they said. That was that was told to them. Um mm-hmm. And this started the what they call the Great Exodus, which is where a lot of people got out that were in, and there was like a, yeah. a lot of people leaving. And then, um, just a couple months later, in September of 2017, the buyback policy was over, mm-hmm. and so they did allow like some returns, but there was tons of stipulations, and it wasn't like the wasn't at all like the policy that was in place before that was not supposed to expire. Yep. Um. Yeah, so basically everyone so everyone left in the Great Exodus, and then when they took it back, everyone at corporate bailed because mm-hmm. they were like, this is fucked up. Like, I don't want to be... I, this is a scam. <laughs> um, so Roberta, who we had mentioned before, said that one of her downlines was talking about how she's going to have to go into foreclosure because she can't get any money back from all of her product. And Roberta being like, shit, I've been predatory and I was a part of it and this is a bad thing. So she posted a resignation letter on Facebook. And of course, (laughs) Deanne and Mark are like, so much negativity. Yeah. Which like that is really sad, too, that like so much uh, there's like a probably a lot of guilt on a lot Mm -hmm. of the like more successful people who probably truly did not think that they were doing anything wrong by recruiting these people and didn't realize the kind of nefarious nature behind it and it's it sucks that that they were taken advantage of and then they have to they have to deal with the guilt of knowing that they you know also theoretically bankrupted one of their friends exactly (laughs) right because like the thing about mlms and what makes it so hard for people to like grapple with how much of a scam and how predatory they are is first of all because you don't ever want to believe that you can be scammed Definitely, and yeah. second of all is you don't want to be the person who accidentally scammed every single one of your friends and you've been living off their money while they're going bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that doesn't sound great. So very hard to be like, oh, fuck, I fucked up because then you really have to deal with all of that accountability on many levels. Right, right. So we get back um, in touch with Stella, who, like you said, ended the last episode. Um, so she had $20,000 of inventory that she couldn't return. And she basically, there was, like, a lot of things that go into her. She had, like, a 
really late miscarriage and was Mm -hmm. in postpartum depression and had like a lot of issues and basically was like in debt up to her eyeballs because she couldn't get this inventory returned whatever yeah and they had already confirmed that they were gonna take the return right they just hadn't paid it out and she just hadn't sent it back i think was the big thing because she had to send out all those fucking boxes huge boxes of clothes yeah like twenty thousand dollars worth of inventory like that's a lot of fucking clothes yeah and so she like hires um kelly who was an attorney to um represent her and see if there's yeah class action yeah and like tons of other women kind of come forward and like tell their stories in support of this lawsuit and just like taking LuLaRoe down in general mm-hmm. um yeah so kind of the nitty-gritty of this is that they started as a breach of contract which is the contract between her and LuLaRoe to take the stuff back but then because there were so many people they started doing class action and they went to California and filed the case and they ended up accusing them not just of class action breach of contract but of being a pyramid scheme <laughs> Right, Which yeah. Which is big. That's big. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then in addition to that, there just have been, like, dozens of lawsuits against LuLaRoe for all kinds of things, for uh, defective products, for copyright infringement. Like we talked about, there was a lot of stolen designs, which mm-hmm. makes sense if you have to make 100 designs a day. Like, you're going to steal them. And Ileana kind of talks about how they were given, like, guidelines to where, like, you can take stuff off of Google, but you have to change so many like this much percent or whatever yeah and i mean that's kind of a gray area though to be fair like it is i mean there's and then there's creative commons license and stuff where that kind mm-hmm. of stuff is meant to be like you can use it for commercial use or you right. can only use it for personal use plus you know remixing or whatever but generally copyright and intellectual property will just get you if you use it yeah at all. yeah if somebody just... cares that you use it you're probably gonna get got right which sucks which but does suck. Also doesn't suck for the people who make it. I don't know. It's it's a lot, especially with how like prolific Google is now and they really don't teach anybody anything about copyright. Right. Yeah. Um so then there was another they get into the details of another one of the big suits with uh, My Dyer, which was um I don't even really know. There was like f- I th- I think um LuLaRoe owed them like 40 million dollars in yeah for for supplies and stuff and mark and then guy were like friends and so i because they were in a fucking car group together for koenigseggs and koenigseggs are like the fastest car on the planet that'll take you from zero to 200 in one minute or whatever and they're like three hundred thousand dollar cars at the minimum yeah and yeah there's all this stuff where daniel king who's the guy of my dyer figures out that he, that Mark has been hiding money both in cars and like by buying cars because you can sell, sell them for the same price again. Mm-hmm. Um, or the LLCs and they start suing them for defraud, like defrauding. I think that's it for fraud. So mm-hmm. they kept making orders even though they knew they wouldn't be able to pay the bills. Right, right. Yeah. And it's just a fucking mess. <laughs> At one point in time, I can't remember if it was the journalist or the lawyer or Becca, Becca who said, they just turned into the meme of Spider-Man pointing at themselves. Yes. Yeah. I loved that. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just lots of, lots of fucked up shit going on in terms of lawsuits and LuLaRoe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk a little bit about how 
basically once you left LuLaRoe, um, you were nobody was to talk to you anymore. It was like basically you leaving the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically like don't talk to anybody outside of the cult. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. So when she sent when Courtney sent in her letter of resignation, they owed her about a hundred thousand dollars in returns, and she said that everyone was told not to talk to her, or else they would actually just be fired. Not just giving a talking to, they would be fired. Cool. And so then, of course. We have the scammers getting scammed, scamming mm. others, scam yes. fiesta, where Sam, who had been terminated before, uh, reached out to Courtney to invest in his marijuana business. And she was like, this is stupid. This is not real. And this is not real. It wasn't. He got scammed. He got Ponzi yeah. schemed. Yeah. <laughs> um, not very smart, bro. But, you know. You fell for one, you might fall for another. I guess, I guess. You're just really, really gullible to these things, but you'd think you'd learn. It's greed, man. Gotta make money quick without working. Oh, I loved this part so much. They were talking about um, how in the 2018 convention, they had Kelly Clarkson play. (laughs) And then Daryl, who I was talking about earlier, was talking about how he (laughs) boycotted Kelly Clarkson for performing at this convention. And he's like, it's a real shame because I really liked whatever song it was it was it was so funny yeah, i love the song that she did with so and so the and he like lists off the title and he's like that was my favorite song in the world but i'm not gonna listen to it <laughs> it was so funny i was like hell yeah fuck it since you've been gone daryl uh, since you've been gone since you've been gone um so um, then Paul and Tiffany get into how they were terminated and they tell how their story was basically they got an email one morning that said that like somebody high, like a high ranking salesperson was terminated and Mm -hmm. they, Paul and Tiffany were texting everyone and everyone was texting them trying to figure out who it was. And then later that day, Paul and Tiffany get an email that um, it was them. (laughs) Yeah. Four hours later. Four hours after the first email, like, who's fired? Who's fired? Oh, it's you. (laughs) Hardcore. And then, of course, because they were fired, they could not do the 100% buyback guarantee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Apart from the fact it being 2018 and they had already nixed it. But (laughs) Right, right. So then we get into January of 2019, where Washington State officially files a claim that they are a pyramid scheme against them. Um. the lawsuit claimed basically the pyramid scheme means that you can't just have a successful business just selling the product you have to recruit to actually make money and that's true right definitely (laughs) yeah yeah and this is where um jordan was the name of the son actually and he said they used the the clip of him saying we need to change things to get away from being a pyramid scheme um which yeah i'm sure he regrets saying those things um but i mean they would have gone anyway yeah I mean, this was really where it got crazy. So Mark and Deanne, and this whole thing gets really crazy because they start talking about how, oh, no, none of this, blah, blah, blah. And in the deposition, they'll just be like, well, I don't know da, 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 about each thing. And then it'll be them in the interview being like, well, you know, I knew all about that hashtag or I really yeah. wanted to do this thing. And it's just like, oh, my God. These it's people so don't bad. understand. I just wonder, like, what Mark and Deanne, like, how they thought they were going to look after this documentary, because, uh... I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. at the beginning, they were all like, it's just so nice to be able to tell our side of the yeah. story. Yeah. It's like, did they really think that we were going to be, like... I think they really... did. I think they really I... thought that. Yikes. Yikes. 
Yeah, I think it was like their PR tour of like post lawsuit trying to get everything okay again and they fucked up. Yeah. Um, I love they have a quote and I don't know who said this. I'm not sure if it was um somebody from LuLaRoe or one of the retailers, but they said, if LuLaRoe were to be found guilty, then I feel that every direct sales company should be investigated as well. And it's like, I mean, yeah, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the girl Jill Draymer. Yes. Okay, who that's is still I it was. working for LuLaRoe to this day. I know. She was like the one person who was like, I, I think it's fun. I love it. I don't know what everyone else is on about. Like, it's great. Oh, God. Yeah. Um. So one of the things that they talked about at one of the Vision events, they asked, so you presented a check for $1.4 million to this person. And they're like, so how did they earn that? And Deanne was like, well, they did 16 parties a week for two or three years. And they're like, well, what percentage of her was of that check was selling versus bonus recruiting? And Mark just says, oh, the entire 1.4 million was bonus checks. We don't track retail profits. Which like, is that that's you're literally How are you making the it. argument that you're not a pyramid scheme if you're not tracking retail sales. Exactly. Yeah. Like if all the money that you're giving them is to because of recruitment, then like you're literally proving the point that it's not the goods that are making the money Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah no that jill girl i just feel so bad for her because she's hook line and sinkered in there because how do you get out when there's no way out i don't even know um they they kind of talk about how like it's not necessarily inherently illegal to be an MLM, um, but there are definitely there are like regulations that need to be in place in order for mm-hmm. them to, to be like, OK, like including a buyback policy and all kinds of stuff um, and like the number of customers uh, and stuff like that. It's all very. Yeah, uh, you have to have 10 or more customers each month buying your stuff mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just other retailers buying from each other forever right. to fake boost sales it's insane and Mm -hmm. i don't know how like i get why like how people who are consultants don't see it but like how does anybody at the top be like oh we're not gonna get caught for this right it's like what the fuck people are so just so overly confident and think that they are invincible and it's like no dude no i think my second favorite quote of this whole series was right about now and I can't remember who said it but it was one of the retailers who got screwed maybe Stella maybe one of the other ones but they're like what question would you want to ask Mark and Deanne and she just looks at the camera and she's like they would lie to you anyway just don't ask any questions you're not going to get any truth <laughs> it's like why would I ask a question it's a good yeah, point you're going to lie <clears throat> um, I don't know Mark gets sued a lot Which he's like, my philosophy for lawsuits is that they're made for getting attention so that I can handle it. And I'm like, sir, no. No. Lawsuits, like, last thing. Like, you've already had lawyers come up and say, like, please pay this invoice. Like, right, right. Hello. So I don't remember her name. I just called her closet lady in this one. I think it might (laughs) have been Ashley. (laughs) But she apparently quit when she was still making six figures a year. But she and her husband had already separated because of how much time she was spending doing LuLaRoe. It was Ashley, yeah. Yeah, and she was like, you know, I had a really good experience, but I know that I'm probably the only one in that position who could have had that experience because mm-hmm. she was the third in. Right, yeah. She was at in, in at the beginning and got ahead at the beginning, yeah. Um, yep. And she says that when she 
I guess De- Deanne reached out to her after she left or whatever and told her that she should take her kids to church so that they would have stability. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the biggest go fuck yourself on both sides yeah. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> fuck that. Um, we also find out that Courtney and her husband divorced um, and Courtney had to sell all her stuff and claim bankruptcy. Everyone was screwed, even people who got in early and people who made a whole lot of money because they made you, not made you, but they told you to spend all of your profits back in the business every right. month. Exactly. So you're making 65K in bonus checks, but you weren't keeping any of that. You were buying right. Louis Vuitton bags and going on vacations and looking fancy. Yeah, and going to their events and their cruises and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um... So we get a lot of talk about MLMs and like how they target women and stay at home moms mm-hmm. and retired people. Um, Becca says that the class action was successful because people came together and started sharing information on Facebook, which yes, if you Definitely. feel like you're being exploited, go and talk to people who are in the same situation as you and ask if they're having the same stuff. That's yeah. also how we unionize. Exactly. Ask your coworkers what they make. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for the best. <laughs> yeah. So Kind of this whole thing ended up with my favorite, another, I'm going to say another favorite quote. Top three. We're doing top three. Go for it. Yes. <laughs> so this one was, uh, I think it was Sam and or Daryl. And he's like, you know, this is what happens when you stop caring about ethics and morals. Yep. Yep. It's very true. <laughs> yep. Everyone went bankrupt. You ruined millions, well, thousands of lives. Wasted yeah. millions of dollars. Yep. Um, so the Washington lawsuit um, was settled for $4.75 million, um, but LuLaRoe still deny any wrongdoing, of course. Um, but they did have to, like, update their refund poli- policy and other things. And nowadays, um, it's, like, completely different. Like, the startup cost is a lot lower now to attract mm-hmm. more people. But there's, like, so I feel like, there, I mean, there's just so much negativity surrounding LuLaRoe. Like, everyone knows that something is up l- with LuLaRoe now, that it cannot be yeah. easy for them to recruit new people. No. And, of course, we get into a little of this with that guy who's the MLM expert. He's, like, wrote the book on MLMs. Yeah. And he's like, the problem is that when LuLaRoe fails, when it finally goes under, they'll just move to another one or they'll rebrand or they'll change yeah. their name. And all of the people the who are consultants there will just move to It Works or Sensi or Paparazzi or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I'm it's just true. hoping that the more that this is talked about, you know, the more that people are aware of how fucked up these things are. And mm-hmm. maybe some people will get caught before they get in. I don't know. It's it's a sh- yeah. fucking shitty, shitty thing. It's so shitty. And then this whole show ends with Jill being like, I want to do LuLaRoe forever. Da 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 And she just keeps uh, talking. And they just fade out away from her building into yeah, the credits. It was, it was so good. Yeah. The editing on this was really, really good. It was and very And altogether, tight. I just thought that this was a really, a really solid docuseries. Lots yeah. of good information. Um, and I, I liked the, the kind of variety of stories that we heard. Like, we didn't just hear from people who hated LuLaRoe necessarily. Um, mm. We heard from like a mix of people who had good like success successful experience and really not successful experiences so it was good people who got out before it got bad right exactly and people who are still in for some reason for some (laughs) fucking reason i don't know why girl get out don't do it go start your own shop and buy all these nice clothes wholesale and have a little boutique it will give you just as much joy and more money yes but yeah, do you have anything else to add? No. No. Nope. 
I think that about does it for today's episode. But if you have anything you'd like to say about this docu-series, about this episode, or about any of our other episodes, or if you have any suggestions for things to uh, for us to watch in the future, send us an email at tvliterate at gmail.com. And you can find us all over the internet at tvliterate. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube reddit we're everywhere if you find anything of interest or you know dagger related or mlm related or just a funny meme just send it along to us we love it we read it we may not always respond but we see it and we love you guys we do (laughs) and we appreciate it all and you can also find us on ko-fi ko-fi.com forward slash tv literate if you want to give us a buck to help with uh podcasting costs we would be appreciative and we would love you for it Yes, we would really appreciate it. We would also appreciate it if you took the time to leave us a review and recommend us to any of your friends. And we will see you guys next week with another episode. Bye-bye. Bye.